We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. My name is Mike, back with Sam after an extended period of time where we're very confused. Uh, Sam, how are you doing? I'm, I'm hanging in there, man. I'm just hanging in there. Um, and yes, I, I guess we apologize for the erratic schedule. We're still kind of just waiting. We're, we're still, yeah. we're still kind of just waiting. So that's how I am. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough as like content creators. Well, I don't like using that actually to describe us, but I guess that's what we are. Uh, to figure out what to talk about at this time and we like we do have stuff to talk about that's for sure but like there's one big thing we're waiting for and we continue to wait for it and that's of course Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns and and I'll I'll start here and we'll talk about some details of it where was your confidence in Kevin Durant coming to the Phoenix Suns the last time we recorded percentage wise and where are you at right now um, last time we recorded, I can't remember exactly what the most recent news was at that point. Uh, I, I you know, I would say it was 99% confidence to be honest, probably last time. I've, I think I've been pretty steady, like 95 plus percent confidence ever since the announcement, essentially mm-hmm. that KD had this short list of destinations. He really wanted to go to Phoenix. Phoenix was above all these other destinations. I, I say all these other destinations. It's really just Phoenix and Miami. And once mm-hmm. you cross off Miami from the list as a realistic, trade partner um you know there are these other threats that come in but i guess the big development this week was indiana right like yeah, yeah. we th- there's a bunch of stuff that happened later so this almost feels like old news now but for i would say a solid 48 straight hours around july 9th 10th 11th the news cycle is dominated by the indiana pacers and to what extent they were a threat um to be a thorn in the sun's side in this process so you say you were like ninety nine percent, then ninety five percent now. So not I think much I've just different. Been, now, right? I think I've just been ninety five the the whole time. Like I, I think the Suns yeah, are clearly okay. the front runners. I think the extent to which other fan bases are tricking themselves into thinking their packages are better, I, I don't actually think their front offices are willing to part with the pieces that would be necessary. So yeah, I mean Indiana is a threat, and 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 we should talk about them, I guess now because I think they're the again the big development. But my confidence remains high for sure. I also still feel confident, but there are moments, there are moments <laughs> where I, I lose faith. I don't blame you. I My faith is tested uh, because it's just, it's just been so long. And look, it's really, what is it? Two weeks now? Like it's not really been that long, but it's been long enough in that uh, you just start to wonder if things are happening. And I think it's smart. It's a smart play for the Suns. They're not completely caving in at any moment. Now, obviously, I don't think there's been any... Like, there hasn't been a lot of... I don't think there's been a single report on what the Suns have offered other than, I think, Brian Windhorst said the Suns have not offered four first-round picks yet. Mm-hmm. That was the only one that I've seen. Have you seen anything that else? Was, that was after Lowe said that they should offer... 
What did he say? Did he say, I think he actually said Bridges, Cam Johnson, and four first-round picks, and then the pick swaps. Lowe said that, like, mm-hmm. this was, like, several days ago. And Windhorse mm-hmm. responded to that, and he said, the Suns aren't even offering that much. And, yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, I, I would say that was probably about the last update we got on that. And since then, it, you know, yeah. kind of, the, the situation is just everyone knows who the trade partners are. You could theoretically, if you want to, construct up to a five-team deal here because we all know exactly who the players are. And we all know exactly what the three or four maybe configurations uh, yeah. of a trade would look like. So we know, you let's, know, let's, we know let's all the Let's break down the players. Let's, the Suns. And the Suns want to send out DeAndre and, and they don't want... They don't want a scenario, I think, just reading the room here. They don't want a scenario where DeAndre Ayton and the assets that they could get from DeAndre Ayton are not part of the trade for Kevin Durant. Because what that would mean is... They're losing DeAndre and in potentially losing, I don't know, Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges. That's three players gone. I think the best case scenario, two of those players go in the trade back for Kevin Durant. That means that they want to utilize DeAndre. Now, DeAndre appears to want to go to Indiana. Indiana appears to want DeAndre. Now, let's quickly update the scenario for Indiana. Indiana has all like about $27 million of cap space currently they have the ability of offering deandre in an offer sheet currently that he could sign and the Suns would have the opportunity to match or uh just allow him to go for nothing uh they could get him in a max contract if the Suns are willing to do a signing trade with them that would mean that something some form of salary is leaving the indiana pacers deandre and signs a max with the Suns and then is immediately traded to the indiana pacers those are essentially the only options for Indiana at this point. If they trade somebody, like, for example, Daniel Tice or Goga Batazde, they could make enough cap room to offer a full max offer sheet to DeAndre Ayton right now. They have yet to make those trades. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're eagle-eyed Suns fans that listen to this podcast, <laughs> you will know. and you see that Daniel Tice is traded for nothing mm-hmm. or Goga Batazde is traded for nothing, then yeah, your eyebrows that, should be raised. That, a little not bit. just eyebrows should be raised. That is the high alert button. Um, that is some some shit is about to go down, and the Suns are going to be put in this precarious position where they have to match, um, or or don't necessarily have to match, but they have to decide whether or not they want to match and cannot trade DeAndre Ayton at that point. Remember, the sign and trade, if it's going to happen, has to come before the offer sheet. I know we've said mm-hmm. this a ton of times at this point, but if the offer sheet comes in for Indiana, Phoenix does not get to turn around and then trade DeAndre Ayton. They are forced to choose whether to um, match that offer sheet or not. And speaking of which, um, Mike, I think probably reading the tea leaves, it seems like uh, Ayton and his agent are still playing for that max contract. They want that full max contract slot from Indiana. They want extra additional should, yeah. cap space created. However, operating with just the cap space that Aiton has, um, or sorry, that Indiana has right now, twenty-six point eight million, I think you said roughly twenty-seven million, um, with five percent raises and a four-year deal, because that's all that Indiana can offer as a team that is not, um, that is a different team from Phoenix. How do you feel about that, just value-wise for DeAndre Aiton? Because that, like, theoretically, yeah. if, if he got that offer, I think our, right. our friend David laid out the exact numbers on Twitter. The other day, I think I don't have. I think it's four years, like one thirteen, or something like that. That's yeah. coming down quite a significant amount from it's, from what we were, uh, initially expected, which was a five year deal. Right. If Phoenix had signed him to a max extension last off season, for instance, just given him mm-hmm. the deal he always wanted, would have been a five year max offer that starts at thirty million with eight percent raises. A four-year like deal, seventy million, and it would have been one hundred seventy million dollars. Yeah. yeah, a four-year deal starting at twenty-seven with five percent raises. Mm-hmm. Just from a value standpoint, KD or no yeah. KD, I mean, you know, I, I would match that. But I, I'm, it's kind I'm of it's like a Jared think. Allen. It's like a Jared Allen plus contract. Jared Allen was like twenty-five million dollars a year flat, uh, and so it's like it's like and and to be to be honest, that's that's like that's great value for DeAndre and. Uh, you know, because at that point you're paying him for uh, the defense and the finishing. Like it's it's a clear contract that I think matches the kind of thing that he's capable of of doing currently. I think if you're trying to pay him a max contract, you're anticipating that he's capable of doing a lot more than he's currently doing, which from Indiana's perspective makes sense. And from Indiana's perspective as well, they have 
Halliburton on his rookie deal for a little while longer. They have Duarte on his rookie deal for a little while longer. Duarte, by the way, currently like Devin Booker's age, uh, he's an older player. <laughs> yep. Um, and you know they have the ability of saying, yes, we can pay DeAndre in a max contract right now, and it doesn't hurt our overall flexibility as a team because our most important assets are currently on their rookie deals. By the way, Benedict Matherin, who was just drafted there, another U of A player. Aiton could play with a U of A player there. And Matherin, I mean, he might have the most potential of all. I really like Matherin. I think he could be a really interesting player. Uh, and that becomes an interesting team for them. And, like, they have one guy on a max contract. The rest of their important players are all on small contracts. And it just makes sense for them. Now, as far as whether the Suns would match that, I think the reason that it probably hasn't happened yet is because there's clear threat of them uh, signing him at a smaller contract than a max and the Suns going, yeah, well, that's fine. We'll take that. And then we'll figure out KD other ways and then Aiton can either stay on the team and play well or be a trade asset in the future. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, there is always a threat of the Suns matching a max offer sheet if things are not going right in the KD from the Kevin Durant perspective as well. So for Indiana, you have the option of making a trade and trading for the cap space because you can't legally sign a player to an offer sheet without the cap space. So they'd have to create max space, sign DeAndre into that max offer sheet, and then the Suns could match that. And all of a sudden, they've created max space. They gave up an asset for cap space. And then they have all this cap space in a year with absolute garbage free agents left. Yep. So from their perspective, they want to wait, I think, for a sign and trade as well. It just makes the most sense for them because then they guarantee they're going to get their player. They don't have to make a trade without the guarantee that they're going to get them to get him. And and from their perspective it makes the most sense as well. Right. You know, the Suns are able to capitalize on the assets. They're able to get the player without any fear of them being taken by the Suns and they don't give up assets for nothing. So So you know it's a long-winded answer to your question that went a lot of different directions. So sorry. About no, that. it's and and look, it's natural. I I do agree with you for the record that I think things are coalescing towards it. It just these two teams are very natural trade partners, Phoenix and Indiana, but not necessarily in the way that I think some people, maybe at the national level, some at the local level, expect. And that's where I want to go next with this because the the Aiton for Miles Turner and maybe a pick sign and trade is so obvious. It's so easy that. If these two teams really were on the same page about if Indiana is going to come in with the offer sheet, Phoenix is going to match, that should have happened already. It should have happened as soon as the Brogdon trade became official. So the obvious next question, why why is it still, why is it July 13th, July 14th or later by the time you listen to this? And that trade has not happened yet. And I think it's for a variety of reasons. It's obviously that's where we get into the, well, maybe this becomes, the Suns are now um, treating Kevin Durant and DeAndre Ayton as entirely separate entities. They know that DeAndre Ayton is not going to be going to the Brooklyn Nets. They need to use any other assets in order to make that trade. But this is now maybe where you can try to construct a three, four, yes, even five-team deal that makes sense. (laughs) And part of that is you don't necessarily have to take back Miles Turner either. And we've mentioned this a couple of times as well. What you you can try to get other assets that make more sense in and you know, as part of that larger trade, or you can just say fuck Miles Turner entirely which very well may be what the Suns front office behind the scenes is doing right now, and take a, take back a really, really large trade exception worth about $15 million instead. Use that trade exception any time within the next year to be able to absorb uh, at a later date in a separate transaction an additional player that you can add to your cap sheet, uh, which would essentially be like maybe a, a sixth man or low-quality starter type player that could either be uh, a third guard to fill in kind of the Cameron Payne, Landry Shamit role off the bench. There's some guard options that we could talk about with that. Or it could be just to help you find a different starting center post DeAndre Ayton, who is not Miles Turner if the Suns really don't like Miles Turner. But I'm just saying all this to be like, the Turner Ayton thing is so obvious, it, it, it really should have happened already if it was just going to be yeah. that. And the fact that that hasn't happened just tells you that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. And even to add to that, to bring another player in here, if the Brooklyn Nets are saying we're getting rid of Kevin Durant, I'm not sure we want. I'm not sure we want this giant Joe Harris contract anymore either. If the Suns have a trade exception, and the only way to get Kevin Durant is to also take on Joe Harris's large contract, they have the ability of doing that. If they have a trade exception, now there's a little more that needs to be done to get there, but it gets them most of the way there. Uh, so yeah, there is a scenario I think where. 
<laughs> where James Jones trades DeAndre in for essentially nothing, a pick in the future, and a trade exception before a Kevin Durant trade, mm. and people flip out mm-hmm. and and uh, call for his head, ask for him to be fired, all of that, and then it works out in the Suns' favor because it was whatever needed to be done in order for. Uh, Kevin Durant to come to the Suns. I think the Suns obviously would probably push for it all to be announced at the same time, <laughs> even if it's separate transactions, which is things. It's something that happens, but you know, it, you know, Woj tweets out, you know, the Phoenix Suns, Pacers, and and Nets are on the verge of a three-team trade that would bring Kevin Durant to the Suns or whatever, you know, like that kind of thing. And then maybe it's split up later, but like that, that is a possibility for the Suns to do. Just do it ahead of time and then push for the best trade. The thing that I think threw the biggest wrench into this scenario is in a desert of news, in a dry desert, when we are all begging for a Kevin Durant tweet. We got a tweet from Woj that essentially said Donovan Mitchell is going to be traded from the Utah Jazz. And now another player has joined. Player th- player four has joined uh, in the Utah Jazz. Why? Well, the Nets don't have their own picks. And I think this is a big, big part of, of what they're thinking when it comes to a Kevin Durant trade. Yes, they could trade for another team's picks, but then they're trading for the picks uh, for a team that has Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul. Not the greatest picks. Maybe in the long term they turn into it, but not in the short term. And if they take back assets that causes them to be a bad team... Well, now they're a bad team with bad picks. That's not a great scenario for them. They would prefer to be a mediocre to good team that has a bunch of picks to work with in the future. And that means if they trade Kevin Durant, yeah, maybe they don't want Aiton in that scenario. Maybe they want somebody like Donovan Mitchell. What complicates it in another way is Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons can't coexist on the same team. So now we're expanding this idea to a potential four-team idea, or maybe not. Maybe... Utah wants DeAndre Ayton, mm-hmm. right? And you could send DeAndre Ayton to Utah and find a way to send Donovan Mitchell to the Brooklyn Nets. But what are your thoughts first on the Utah Jazz and their demise that was predicted long ago? <laughs> I yeah. So th- <laughs> this this really is yeah. And okay, finish the question. No, go ahead. No. <laughs> well, what was the second part of the question? Just and the and the concept of the the Phoenix Suns somehow being involved in right, that, in yeah. getting just Donovan Mitchell to kind the of the Nets. specific machinations of the deal. Um, yeah. Right. So with Mitchell, you know, I I just want to push back a little bit on Woj just because I think Woj sometimes we, we know how Woj deals, and mm-hmm. the what Utah local media have been saying for the past week versus what Woj came out and said yesterday are very different messages. Uh, Utah media and and look, I understand everyone's kind of got their own their own narratives that they're pushing from from any side. But my understanding, at least from what the Utah media side of things are reporting, is that the Jazz continue to be not necessarily interested in just... Like, they want a godfather offer. They believe that Rudy's uh, value, the, the value that they got back for Rudy Gobert, significantly increased what they could now expect to get for Donovan Mitchell. And unless they get that offer... I, remember, we talked about this briefly last week or, or a couple weeks ago. I think they are still content with running it back with Donovan and whatever and, you know, uh, looking somewhat pretty for the all-star game that they're about to host in February of next year and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, I think that's still very much a possibility that that is the case and that this whole Woj report is a little bit of a smokescreen, especially when you consider the teams that it would serve for this to be a smokescreen, particularly the New York Knicks. Because, yes, the Brooklyn Nets, they have clear reason to have interest in in Donovan Mitchell. This entire time, they've been looking for a surefire star that they can get back uh, in return for Kevin Durant. Clearly, they're not interested in DeAndre and They don't think he's that guy. They don't think Mikhail Bridges is that guy. Uh, we talked about Toronto, their reluctance to give up Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes. So because of that, they need to find the star. Donovan Mitchell could be that star. But then here are the Knicks. And the Knicks are the other team that have inserted Mm -hmm. not that they would not be a player in a Kevin Durant trade. At least I can't think of any conceivable way in which it would make sense for them to be a player in the Kevin Durant trade here. But the Knicks have a lot of picks. The Knicks have some young players. And the Knicks always have kind of this pressure to uh, get off their ass and do something and (laughs) put themselves back in in serious playoff contention. And certainly there have been Donovan Mitchell rumors to the Knicks for years and years. They're star hungry. Yeah, They've been wanting... and Obviously, they, they moved mountains to sign Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell is objectively better 
at basketball. So the ability of signing both of those guys or trading for one, signing the other in the same offseason would be a massive win for them. I think it would be the best Knicks team we've seen in a long time. I mean, look. And at the very least, it would be the most interesting Knicks team we've seen in a long time. So I could see why they'd be motivated. A, a Knicks team, it's it's admittedly a little bit weird fit-wise, but a Knicks team with Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, and RJ Barrett, you're starting to cook with something real, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, you know, if they're willing to give up the eight picks... Or the you know the four unprotected picks and then the four swaps or the three swaps mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah, that's a ton for Donovan Mitchell. Which speaking of which, you know, to to kind of cast aside the Knicks for a second, so that's the first part of the equation is just Woj put out this report. I have my suspicions. It's not that I'm saying it's not true. Obviously, there are reasons for for it to be the case, but I do have some suspicions. But the other part is once you actually look into what uh what this deal would look like. I think Bobby Marks put it out on ESPN, and I saw this screenshot being shared on Twitter by a lot of Suns fans today. And this is kind of just like the trade that makes sense, right? It's like, Kevin, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to do my best to remember it. But (laughs) Kevin Durant to the Suns. Uh, Let's see. God. Donovan Mitchell to... Okay, so Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, Miles. The one that was on on ESPN, is that the one you're referring to? Yes. It's going to be... Donovan Mitchell, Miles Turner, and Mikael Mikael Bridges Bridges. to the Nets. Right, okay. So, So Donovan Mitchell... Miles Turner, Mikael Bridges to the Nets. Miles Turner goes to the Nets, which means DeAndre Ayton goes to the Pacers. That's kind of like the deal they want there. Maybe Pacers, Mm -hmm. I think, threw in another first-round pick. The Suns Mm -hmm. throw in DeAndre Ayton to the Pacers, and they're giving up Mikael Bridges to the Nets. And then they're giving up... Uh, All their picks. uh, All their picks. I think think (laughs) he has them giving up eight picks. Yeah. Uh Phoenix get just gets Kevin Durant. That's all they get for for Aiton, Bridges, and all their picks, but they get to keep Cam Johnson. And then the other part of this equation that you said is that Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons can't play together. So Utah, this is the weirdest part of the yeah. trade to me and kind of the, And why it won't happen. This is why yeah. it won't happen and the part that I doubt the most. However, I will yeah. just say they they send out Donovan Mitchell, they get back Ben Simmons and like eight picks. Yeah. A lot of fucking picks. Um, yeah, ben Simmons and Cam Thomas is actually ah, the other Tom, high Thomas. potential player from the, fair enough, fair the enough. Nets. I, fa- I found the screenshot. <laughs> it took me a second there. So I will uh, say there's some there's some issues here. I mean, just, just from a value perspective, like Donovan Mitchell, I think we can say it. I don't care what Rudy Gobert got. Donovan Mitchell isn't worth eight first-round picks to me. He's a great player. He's a top-20 player in the NBA. But, like, I don't know. We're, we're getting a little silly now. <laughs> I'm going thir- to be real with you here, too. Is 34-year-old Kevin Durant, who's played, like, 50 games in the last three seasons, worth Donovan Mitchell, Mikael Bridges, and Miles Turner? Well, I, that's the other part I was going <laughs> to say. That's a lot, too. That's the other part I was going to say is, if you're Brooklyn, and Kevin Durant does not want to play with you, does not want to play for you, and he is stressed, <laughs> I don't want to be here. He's gone full Eric Bledsoe on you, and you have the chance yeah. to get Donovan Mitchell, a top 20 player, Mikael Bridges, <laughs> a top 50 player, and Miles Turner, yeah. a top 75, 75 top player. Yeah. Like if you if you say no to that, you're fucking stupid. That is yeah. a terrific offer for Brooklyn. No picks value-wise. there. It's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Right. The idea, by the way, the idea of the Suns giving. I think the idea of the Suns giving up that many picks seems to be just off the table in general, based on everything we've heard. Which is, you know, it it would be unprecedented. But and sorry, just in addition to the picks, right? Who the hell wants Ben Simmons is the other issue. Yeah, here. that's the biggest issue. But I do think there's like a scenario where Utah thinks of themselves almost like OKC with Chris Paul or Al Horford and just tries to revive his trade value and, you know, focus their efforts on just doing that and then trading him and just flipping him for more picks in the future. But I think the, I think the biggest funny, by the way, Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell famously feuded over the idea of what a rookie was when it came to rookie of the year, which Ben Simmons won and Donovan Mitchell very publicly uh, believed he should have won to the point of wearing an Adidas shirt that defined the word rookie on his chest. And Utah fans hated Ben Simmons at that time. So the idea of him ending up on their team is just a funny concept. Uh, But I I don't know. I think that's probably the thing that would hold it up the most. I'm just, I don't know what the... I don't know what they want. They they do have to find a way of matching salary if Donovan Mitchell is gone, and maybe Ben Simmons is the best way to do that. And for for the Nets, the only way of getting, uh, the only way of getting Donovan Mitchell is if Ben Simmons is gone anyway. And yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a fascinating way to work that out. And we're not even factoring in the idea that Kyrie Irving is appear to, appears to 
go he's going to end up in the Los Angeles Lakers team at some point in the near future as well. And that could be part of some version of this trade as well mm-hmm. if that's happening no matter what. So, you know, there's so many machinations and so many versions of these trades that could end up happening that it becomes complicated. But you're right. And that the Knicks and their ability, they traded one pick, for those who don't remember, on draft night or didn't watch the draft. I don't know how many Suns fans watched the draft. They traded one pick for three picks on the draft night. And the picks have some sort of protections, but they're capable of trading those picks along with those protections. Liked, so they have the ability of trading an insane amount of picks. Yeah, You're I, right. I liked that deal at the time. And they've got a decent amount of prospects. And Knicks fans are a little bit crazy. So, you know, if you follow them on Twitter, you hear what they're saying right now. And they don't want to give up, like, even their third, fourth, fifth best prospects a lot. A lot or of RJ. But- I think it's actually kind of interesting because the the murmurs, the rumors out of Utah were that Danny Ainge didn't think that Donovan Mitchell was good enough to like lead a championship team, mm-hmm. which, I mean, is that wrong? <laughs> That's right, right? Like, we kind of agree on that. But I know, you know who the, also isn't good enough to do that. R.J. Barrett. Yeah, I well, I think the where the contradiction comes in, because I totally understand that logical consistency about Don. I mean, we've talked about it with Devin Booker, right? And and sorry to directly compare Devin Booker and Donovan Mitchell here. Mm-hmm. I know that's like the worst thing you can do in front of a son's audience. <laughs> here's an interesting but, question. Yeah. yeah here's a, but like, you know, it's the same type of idea, right? Like let, let's get in. This is why we're in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes in the first place. I think where the logical inconsistency comes in a little bit for me with Knicks fans and how they're talking about the deal right now is their entire thing this off season has been, why are so many people from the outside criticizing the Jalen Brunson contract? He's only like going to be the 50th highest paid player in the league or something. The contract isn't that unreasonable. And furthermore, just get good players and figure it out later. Like this team just needs I'm good on players. their side. I'm on their side, too. I Well, I was going to say I 100 percent believe that, which if you extend that. It then is a logical inconsistency to turn around and say, "Yeah, it's a good I don't want to okay. give up. I don't want to give up Quentin yeah. Grimes for Donovan Mitchell. Like you know, you can't you can't have yeah. it both ways. You quickly, should continue. Yeah. You should yeah, and Emmanuel quickly quickly too, who I like, but you know, I I think you should continue to get good players if you're the New York Knicks. But anyway, neither here nor there. This is a Suns podcast, not a Knicks podcast. The well, point, I do think just yeah. from that perspective. No team will benefit more from just being good, just being competent than the New York Knicks. I think this that, that'll benefit them a lot more than it would just like the Jazz, for example, who are just tanking now and knowing that their best value is players that are forced to be in Utah in those picks. Also, just <laughs> so it's you a know, different scenario. If the Knicks, by some miracle, do figure out a one-to-one deal with Utah, um, they also need to find a way, whether it's to Utah or someone else, they need to get rid of Julius Randle, Donovan Mitchell, plus Julius Randle, plus R.J. Barrett, plus Jalen. It's just too many cooks at that yeah, point. Yeah, but so they, could, they could try it. That's a big I thing. think that's something that you probably would want to try at first before you just get rid of but Randall. But also, right? the to bring it back to the Suns, the thing I was going to say, if the Knicks could pull that off, like Suns fans shouldn't be worried about that. They should be rooting for the Knicks. Because if the Knicks can pull off pulling in Donovan Mitchell themselves, then again, Brooklyn is in this desperate situation of where are you going to get your star? You're not going to do better than Mikhail Bridges, so just take Mikhail Bridges. You know what I mean? Like they, I think the they can't hold out forever. The, the willingness to give up so many picks for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, which these teams might be willing to do, you know, the Suns probably don't want to do that. Uh, you know, they appear to not want to do that, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think for the Suns, I think the likely scenario is that they probably say, "Yeah, we'll give you seven picks, but you can't have Mikhail Bridges." You know, like, yeah, we'll do that. Or you can have Mikhail Bridges, but you're only getting three picks. You know, something like that. And I think that is probably a good place to start. I think if they can leverage Aiton in that scenario. But if they don't want Aiton, it becomes very complicated. Exactly. If they don't want Aiton and the reporting we've seen or the tea leaves seem to indicate they don't want Aiton, I could see Aiton going to Indiana. It seems like Indiana really wants him. That basically necessitates that Mikhail Bridges has to go to Brooklyn, guys. Sorry. But if you're still holding on hope that, you know, Aiton doesn't go to Brooklyn and Mikhail Bridges also doesn't go to Brooklyn. It doesn't really work because Mikhail Bridges makes yeah. that, that 20 million or whatever he makes, um, which like, yes, technically you could just give them Dario Sharch and Landry Shamit instead. And like, yes, technically that's the same amount of money, but value wise, of course they're not going to accept that. So essentially if Aiton goes to Indiana, I think you're basically saying goodbye to Mikhail Bridges. Unfortunately, he would have to go to Brooklyn. You hope that you can retain Cam Johnson. And then the further that this rolls on, I think the best case scenario for Phoenix is you walk them back from actually where you're not going to get seven first round picks. You're going to get four or five. 
Um, and I know that James Jones doesn't give a shit about first round picks to begin with. And we've definitely talked yes. about that before. But the more that you can reduce that that total yeah. um, haul. Well, can, can we mention why? What makes well. two, two things that make it complicated. One, the Nets don't have a lot of picks. So when you're working out pick swaps, the fact that they don't have any means that you can't do pick swaps in those years. So it becomes complicated to work out the amount of picks that you're doing. You can't do a pick swap in a year that the Nets don't have a pick. The other part is the Suns are going to make this trade for Kevin Durant if they do and be left with a roster with a bunch of holes and then no picks to trade to try and fix it. And I think James Jones, and from his perspective, he's saying, I need something. I need something to move the rest of the salaries we're going to have at this point to fill in the holes around these guys once you take everything else from me. Uh, and I think that's probably the smart move. They just have to be careful that nobody else swoops in. And look, I don't think it's completely outrageous to say that nobody else is going to swoop in at this point because why haven't they? And and from the Nets' perspective, why do they even think the offers are going to get better as KD gets older? It doesn't seem like that makes a ton of sense. I think I, I'd be surprised if this was stretched out. like Because the news out of Brooklyn is that they're like, we're willing to just take this into the season if we have to. And, you know, that happened with Ben Simmons. And I just don't think that, I don't think, like, that Ben Simmons turned into James Harden because of that, because two guys were just forcing their ways to the opposite teams. Mm. I just don't think that's going to happen with KD at this point. It's just not the same scenario. I'll, He's an older guy. I'll end it here, maybe, and then we should go into break. Mm-hmm. I just really hope that doesn't fucking happen. <laughs> because, like you said <laughs> earlier... The, regardless of what happens, if it becomes a three or four or five team deal to include everyone, this Aiton Turner thing situation with Indiana, or if it's Aiton for a trade exception or whatever, I think that's moving a lot faster, that side of the equation. Um, I think that could get wrapped up pretty soon, right? Matter of days. Yeah. So, yeah, could. So, like you said, if the Suns trade DeAndre Aiton for a $15 million trade exception and two protected first round picks or something like that, right? Like, let's say they don't even get Miles Turner. They just get money that could be used later. And then the KD situation drags out into September, into October. Mm-hmm. Sun, I mean, Suns fans are going to be nervous. We're going to be nervous. We won't know what the hell to talk about on a week-to-week basis, not to mention the amount of pressure that the front office will be feeling. So that is something that Brooklyn can bet on. You know, to, to that end, Indiana is their greatest ally. And that gap between when the Aiton to Indiana stuff finishes and when the KD trade actually completes uh, is going to be a tumultuous time to be a Phoenix Suns fan. But yep, we, uh, I guess, we'll do our best <laughs> to like mm-hmm. not blow the gasket. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. All right, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about free agency and the Summer Suns, and maybe take some questions. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All 
All right, I said we'd talk about something else, but a quick theory on KD. I think there's a chance that Kevin Durant, before he signed his contract extension with the Brooklyn Nets, just just kind of told them, hey, I'll sign this extension, but like, if I ever want to leave, you got to get me to where I want to go. <laughs> now, that's not necessarily something the Nets have to honor, but the timing of the extension was kind of weird, and... I think it gives Brooklyn an opportunity to extract more assets out of a Kevin Durant trade. And there was a report, I forget who said it, that Brooklyn wants to get Kevin Durant somewhere that he wants to be. And there has not been a report like that about Kyrie Irving. So I just have a theory about that, that if that comes out after after he's traded, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they also just have more reason to feel a little bit a, a little bit of loyalty i suppose um or yeah. mutual there's a reason for the nets to have this mutual respect for kevin durant that just frankly speaking they don't they shouldn't have for kyrie irving yeah Ky- kyrie i think there's a better them. chance there's a better chance that the kyrie irving situation extends into the season than the kevin durant one mm-hmm. i'll say that uh okay free agency i just wanted to quickly mention the suns they still have their full taxpayer mid-level exception that they can use to sign players and i just wanted to mention that now Because, I mean, we did a lot of work before free agency to break down what their options were. And they're clearly just stuck right now, waiting for something to happen before using that. But I just wanted to remind Suns fans that that still exists. Now, if you're going to look at the list of available free agents, (laughs) it's not going to excite you very much. There are ways the Suns can break up that taxpayer mid-level exception and give it to multiple guys. They don't have to give it all to one guy so just keep that in mind when looking at the list of free agents and then the last thing is on that is i just wanted to mention a player and that's vasilier misich did i say that right sam we're trying to figure out exactly vasilier vasilier misich yep vasilier misich there we go um and he's a player that the okc thunder drafted and appears to just not want to go to their team anymore (laughs) and he he plays in EuroLeague currently, and, and he plays in the Turkish Basketball Super League. By the way, great name for a league. Um, actually, he was an, initially picked by the 76ers, I think. He's, he's kind of a guy that's his rights for his draft have moved around a lot. You see it a and lot. He's now, yeah. tw- he's now 28 years old, and he has yet to play a game in the NBA. He's a former EuroLeague MVP-level player, and he's a 6'5" essentially point guard who is uh, like a sp- his specialty appears to be running the pick and roll. And for the Suns, it's kind of interesting timing. A player who's 28 years old probably wants to play on a winner at this point. Maybe he wants a big role, but maybe there's not a team at this point, not only that could offer him say $5 million, not a lot of teams with taxpayer mid-level exception money left, or that could actually allow him to compete at the highest level. Well, the Suns kind of have a backup guard problem in Cameron Payne just not being very good this year and it's just kind of interesting to hear the news about message now Mm -hmm. and you know contemplate whether or not he'd be a good fit on this team but what do you think about message yeah so look I'm not going to pretend to be a EuroLeague expert I'm not like a a foreign scout in that way but I will say um you know I after Woj put out the report yesterday uh, kind of in a dead part of the day where I think that was the only news and maybe that's the only reason why we saw it. But he put out this report that Misich was interested in coming to the NBA and that there were teams who had a mutual interest in him, um, as makes sense for an MVP level player at the EuroLeague level. Um, so I started looking into his game. I Yeah, I think this is a really natural fit. And I think given where the free agent uh, pool is for Phoenix right now, this is a guy who clearly would not be interested in signing to come over to the NBA uh, for a veteran minimum deal. He's pr- I didn't look up his contract with Anadolu Efes, uh, the, the details, but I imagine he's making the equivalent of several million dollars, as most top-level EuroLeague players are over there. So this is the type of guy where you could maybe entice by giving that taxpayer mid-level exception, and that's where it comes in handy to have that extra bit of money uh, available to a player like that that maybe other teams don't. That being said... If he's looking for a starting role, obviously can't offer that to him. But if he's willing to be a backup on a really, really, really good team, it's still risky, I understand. And I think there, yeah. there would be a lot of Suns fans, including myself to an extent, who would be uncomfortable with the prospect of such an important role. Essentially, we're talking about kind of a sixth man going to a rookie. But this is a guy, he averaged 18 points, five assists per game at the EuroLeague mm-hmm. level last year. Uh, for those who think that like for an MVP, those aren't such great numbers, I would point out a few things about EuroLeague. 
Um, there's a lot of deflation in EuroLeague stats. One, because the games are 40 minutes long, not 48. So that right there eats up a lot of it. Two, because it's kind of more of a focus on team-oriented basketball. Coaches have more control. You don't get to run as many isolation plays, even if you're the star player on the team. That's the second portion. And three, this is something that Luka Doncic has talked about a lot since coming to the NBA. Um, the lack of three-second defensive three-second rule in the EuroLeague means that bigs can kind of just stand uh, underneath the rim yeah. uh, if they want to, and and they have a lot more of an imposing presence Whereas, you know, even the best room protectors in the NBA, Rudy Gobert, you can kind of find more easily holes to open up the floor and, and attack. And so there are a bunch of reasons why 18 points, five assists per game, being an MVP level player at the EuroLeague may not seem like the gaudiest stats, but that very well could be the equivalent of like 25 points, uh, 26 points at the NBA level. Not saying that he would yeah. average that in the NBA, just that it's kind of more equivalent like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I look, he's not the most high level athlete from the tape that I've seen. Um, But we know that's also not the type of thing that bothers James Jones. I think the biggest thing is that he has tons of experience running the pick and roll, looks like a solid playmaker, um, has a lot of skill, showed a decent amount of pull-up shooting from what I've seen. And yeah, solid option out there. Um, I would rather do something like this than bring in Rajon Rondo, you know? (laughs) So it's like, like like if you're going to go and look at the, the, I invite you, I suppose, to go look at the free agent pool and like actually understand who are the names that are remaining, and uh, you might have a heart attack just from doing that because they're not, <laughs> yeah. they're not great. We won't go over them. It's just not fun. I think the interesting interesting thing about Misich is that he's six five and he could like legitimately run the point guard position for the Suns uh, off the bench. And then he's also a player that could potentially play with Shamit, who we assume is going to be on the team. We don't really know. Uh, and it still kind of works, right? Because he can play on the ball, off the ball. He appears to be a guy who likes to be on the ball, right? He's going to want to run the offense when he's playing. So maybe he's not the best fit next to somebody like Devin Booker. Uh, but maybe he could do it still with Devin Booker being such a great off-ball player. Uh, it's an interesting interesting option for the Suns at this point. At and, the very you know, least. It might be, it might be, it's just, it's a, it's the type of option that could pay off really well if it works, uh, but it's a risk. At the very least, I'd like to believe that the Suns are thinking this way um you know as a team that like like if a lundberg last year came out of absolutely nowhere ish wainwright kind of came out of nowhere you know like we know that they're scouting they're they're looking not necessarily for the 21 year old guys where they're thinking how can we eke the most potential out of these guys over the next four or five years but in the foreign the, the limited amount of experience that we have with the james jones front office bringing in these foreign prospects Ish Wainwright obviously being American, but but playing overseas, mm-hmm. they're looking for and and we'll talk about summer league in a second. I think you know it's similar uh, the logic there. They're looking for guys who are almost finished products, guys who are 25, 26, 27, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. have who are grown men first of all in their physique. You know, athleticism yeah. not yeah. doesn't doesn't necessarily have to jump out of the gym like more so than the next guy, but who are grown men uh, have yeah. old man strength, if you will. But also guys who already have developed like at least one clear NBA skill. So it's they, not they want just, dad bods. Yeah, right. they want that. James Jones loves a dad bod. But, but he loves dad bods. In yeah. all seriousness, more so James Jones doesn't want to bring in guys who are going to be who are going to look like deer in headlights when they actually have to suit up in the NBA. They want someone who is seasoned and they trust, I think, in the experience that playing overseas, particularly playing at the EuroLeague level, um, gives those types of players. So. Um, I would hope that when Woj reports that there are several teams being interested in a guy like that, a, a, a MVP player at that level, uh, I would hope that the Suns are one of those teams, given that they have this yeah. money. And yeah, they have the opportunity to potentially sign a player at more money than most teams are able to do, especially contenders. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Uh, quickly on the summer Suns, uh, they, they're playing in Las Vegas. I know they haven't picked a player in a while. Uh, but Ish, the the main star, right, is Ish Wayne, right? Who, of course, is not used like a star in any way I'm because so he's sure trying to figure that, out man. his role in the Suns. Uh, yeah. And then there's a couple other interesting players. Like, uh, I'll just quickly just touch on Ish Wayne, right? Um, Ish Wayne, right, currently not on the Suns. He does not have a deal for the Suns. Still playing on their summer league team. Mentioned in an interview after a game that he still wants to play for the Suns. Of course, he's going to say that. It's his, probably one of his only options at this point. <laughs> Um, but I do think the Suns, it just makes sense for the Suns to have someone on their team that is a big, massive body that could potentially play small ball five minutes at some point. Uh, his shot looks pretty good so far in summer league. The stats have been up and down depending on the game. He shot the Uh, lights out in that first game against the Lakers. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think his role in summer league has been exactly what it would be if he was on the Suns, which means occasionally playing the four, sometimes playing the five. Uh, less five than I was hoping to see, but still they're, they're trying it, right? They're trying Ish Wainwright at the five. Um, and I think there's a good chance the Suns bring him back. If they want to sign him on a multi-year deal, they basically have to use some of that TPMLE, that taxpayer mid-level exception money, uh, or they can sign him to uh, just a one-year uh, minimum contract deal or you know with some sort of option in the second year. Um, but so Ish might be back. He's been playing well. But I'll give you a chance, Sam, to talk about some of the other players that have impressed you over the summer league games. This, to me, like this is the best part of. I mean, it's not the best part of the offseason. Free agency, the the craziness, it's pretty cool. But summer league is just great because you can talk yourself into anything. Um, of course. To that end, like I'm all the way in on Olivier Saar, who I think has been the clear standout uh, of the Suns summer league roster so far. We mentioned him. Did we mention him on the podcast? No, we. I feel like we haven't. Yeah, we did. We did. Did we? The last episode. I couldn't remember. We touched on him and Ish being the only guys that we really have have played any NBA. uh, Right, right, right. With NBA experience. See, I couldn't even remember if we had had talked about the Summer League roster at all yet. Um, Yeah, I mean, so Saar has that NBA experience. He had his career high last year uh, against the Suns. And I think probably this is where I speculated last week. Like, it tends to be the case that when things like that happen, GMs are paying attention, and and so James Jones made that made that yeah. specific game. He's like, who is that guy? May yeah. have piqued his interest. Yeah, exactly. And said, bring me that, bring me that French guy. Um, <laughs> he's been really good. I posted on Twitter today per thirty six, and and look, I know it's a three game sample size, but sue me. This is the fun part about the summer league. Per thirty six, he's averaging <laughs> twenty points, twenty rebounds, and four blocks through three games for the Suns. Uh, he we saw him take three threes. Remember, we advertised him as a guy with a little bit of range, and he missed all three of them in the last game, unfortunately. But I think, you know, first of all, his readiness to shoot it, in addition to still being an efficient offensive player outside of that, has really impressed me. He's clearly a player with some level of offensive versatility, decent rim protection from what I've seen. Yes, maybe a little bit slow-footed on defense overall. Definitely like a traditional drop big. big guy. Definitely a traditional drop big type. But man... Olivier Saar, I mean, like, that's that's my victory cigar for the 2022-2023 Phoenix Suns. Like, the way he's played through three <laughs> games, I think it's just like, I know, you know, they already have a few centers on this roster, at least the way it's constructed right now, but just give that guy a two-way, at least. That guy definitely deserves a two-way contract. To play the Suns have two, they have two two-way contracts that, that we should just mention that because they should fill those out. They should have two guys in those two-way contracts at some point. And Saar has the ability of signing one of those contracts. He's not unable to do that. Uh, so it's just an option for the Suns. I, I, I agree with you, right? They may not need the depth at that position depending on what happens, but like a good player is a good player and at some point just sign him. And uh, maybe you will. The Suns and, ended yeah, up playing with I mean, they only also, one center at some point this last season. Right. They also might need the depth at some point. You know. Yeah. Like, there's Biombo started and they had no one. If if Biombo <laughs> ends up, point. you know, if you get the KD trade and you let's say you have mm-hmm. to send out Sharich in that deal all yeah, of a sudden or something, you be. never know. And then Biombo's mm-hmm. your starter and Jock Landale's your backup, and all of a sudden Olivier <laughs> Sars your third string. Like these are scary yeah, things. Right. These yeah. are these are scary things to tell Suns fans. Maybe. Yeah. But, well, two-way players, if people just... I don't know if it's even worth getting into. They can only play a certain number of games before you, they're required to be converted into an actual contract. So yep. just keep that in mind as well. And they're, they're not Olivia eligible Sarr for the playoffs. Like uh, was the case with Ish Wainwright until they converted him. Yeah. Rem- did, right. That play he had last night against the Mavs, where he took it off a defensive rebound in the open court mm-hmm. and then did a give-and-go. I can't remember who the guard was anymore. But just a yeah. couple, couple firm dribbles... In the open court, little pass, <laughs> takes it back, alley-oop, you know, layup, nothing nothing forceful yeah. with the finish. But uh, man, A dad bod layup, yeah. Man, like, what I like about him is not just that he's grabbing 20 rebounds per 36 or whatever. That's great, but, like, a lot of guys... <laughs> he lot needs of, to rebound more, like, a little bit at least. A lot of guys can grab rebounds. Like, when I see a, a big who's just not afraid to dribble, I mean, it's like I have PTSD now, man. Like, if we're talking about what does the future of the center position look like for the Phoenix Suns post-DeAndre Ayton, if that's going to end up being what it is, then clearly James Jones has a fetish for these players who just, they they are connectors in the middle of the floor. And yeah. I don't think Sar is exactly that. I don't think he's like a Frank Kaminsky, Dario Sarge type, but I think he shows confidence, and that matters a lot towards uh, the guys who get a roster spot versus the guys who don't. 
yeah, I, what I was interested in with Sarri is his defense, and I actually thought think it's been pretty good. He's done a pretty good job defensively. I think I he wanna... nailed it in talking about his inability to really – he's not going to switch out any guys in the perimeter no. and, and track them to the rim and block their shot. He's he's listed at 255. Like if he yeah. – you know, he's the – He's ty- a big dude. He's <laughs> the type of guy where like if you're playing John Moran or something and Olivia Sars in the game, he's going to get hunted, you know? And th- and that's yeah. okay. You, you Again, we're talking about – this is summer league. We're talking about 15th yeah. men. We're talking about two-way contract player but if you're, <laughs> at some point. But if you're, you're trying to develop them too. If you're not excited by the prospect of taking these 15th men and developing them and cheering them on at the end, <laughs> you know, you're a casual. That's all I'm going to say. Um, a couple <laughs> – a couple, a couple uh, no, and it's also just the fact that like in the midst of all this KD bullshit, like just getting to zone out and watch some summer league games has actually been really refreshing in a way. Yeah, um, I agree. A couple of these other guys, what do you think of – Basketball's Lu- fun. What do you think of Lewis King through three games? Uh, I think that one, he's ineligible for a two-way deal because he's already signed multiple of them and probably is just not good enough for a real roster spot. <laughs> uh, if he showed more, I think it's a, it's hard to separate the concept of him being required to be the main scorer on this team and his passing abilities because he has not been great at passing in these games. He tends to get some uh, Kelly Oubre style tunnel vision on his drives. And now that could be just what they're asking him to do. Hey, we need the dribble penetration. You're one of two guys that can do it on this team. Just take it to the rim, get fouled if you need to. Uh, but the Suns don't play that way. You know, really only Devin Booker is allowed to do that. And Devin Booker still mostly makes the right passes. Uh, so somebody like King, if he's coming onto the Suns and actually eats up a real roster spot, which you'd have to do for him, I'm not sure that he's worthwhile. Maybe he makes his way onto another team that's that's uh, maybe not trying to compete for a championship, though. Possible. Yeah, I, I was going to say basically the same thing. I haven't been... You know, he feels like a guy who's just brought onto the Summer League roster to get buckets because the roster... They needed a guy, right? They, the, because then they, they kind of judge everyone else around that exactly. because that's the role they'd be playing Exactly. The like, if they didn't bring in a Lewis King, then with what the rest of these guards on this roster have shown us, like, they would be scoring in the 60s maybe every night because they just... They needed a guy who can get his own shot, and Lewis King is definitely that. But within the concept or the system of like what the big league sons play yeah he's he's not moving the ball well enough for me so i haven't been you know i he hasn't offended me or anything but he hasn't popped either in a way that i hoped um there are other guys on the team that we could talk about but i think there honestly there's probably no chance any of those guys maybe one of them gets a two-way and we'll talk about him later yeah for me it's like other guys can still win me over sar is like i'm gonna clearly advocate like if you haven't watched a summer league game yet that's the guy i'd be watching out for and i'm gonna clearly advocate for him to get a two-way other guys could win me over the bigs have been the most impressive uh, like all three of them. JLA is JLA, good too. I like him. Drew up Reith when he played in the first game. I know you missed the first game, but he kind of rocked yeah. in the first game as well. And then SARS. So, and they don't need two guy, two gigantic guys in, on two ways. So SARS is probably the guy in the lead at this point. All right. I tweeted out something just asking people for some topics for us to talk about. I'm going to just let the algorithm decide what we're talking about here. And let's just try to quick. I just click the tweet. Whatever comes up first, we're going to talk about. Let's try to quickly uh, get through a few of these and and see what we got here. So Chris Captain said, free agents and trades you'd like to see after the possible KD trade. That feels impossible to answer until we know what the roster is going to be, right? Yeah, I mean, guys who would fit around KD. So we already talked about Misich earlier. I feel like we're probably maybe the only ones banging that drum. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. they they really just... If if KD actually comes, I mean, almost... It, it, it is hard to say. I know you said to do this quickly. Um, if they if really Mikael need, Bridges is gone, the number one thing the Suns need is a Mikael Bridges replacement. Yes. Because I know I like the idea of Cameron Johnson starting, but Mikael Bridges guards the main... like attack person on the other team josh Kogan, that means man. it's um yeah so that's the main thing i'll be looking for and that'll be kind of complicated yeah i don't know if kogi can actually do that so they might need to i mean i think he can in spurts i just don't know i'm not sure he can play you know mikhail bridges played like 40 minutes a game no yeah you're totally <laughs> so it's right just a, it's totally a lot right. to that's ask for thing. you know but also i mean yeah. you know we have to wait for the dust to settle from a trade to understand exactly how many roster spots they'll have right now i think they have yeah. two not including the two ways uh, but they could yeah. have three or four after that trade, and they really need a guard. Like they really will st- continue to still need a backup guard, um, and yeah. they might need a center. I don't know. It's it's uh, hard to say. 
yeah, so we'll definitely get more into that and we'll see how fast things move if that does end up happening. Maybe we'll know the roster before we could even podcast. Uh, Brian said he's still hearing Eric Gordon's name. Isn't it a thing that if Chris Paul thought Gordon was a difference maker that he would have been here last season? I think I think that's fair. That, I think that James Jones didn't want to trade a first-round pick for Eric Gordon so that he would have picks to trade for like a KD deal. I mean, I think I think you're right. I think that is the reason that he didn't do it. And now I'm glad, actually, that he didn't do it in yeah. hindsight just because only if it gets us KD. Um, because then you can go back and say, see, look at all these first-round picks I had. But I also think it's definitely the case that like Chris Paul advocates for his guys. And, and, and does Eric Gordon have a history with Monty Williams as well? It feels like he should, right? Uh, maybe. Am I making that I mean, up? Yeah. Uh, no, I think he was, well, he was drafted to the Pelicans, right? When they were the Hornets, right? He was drafted to the Clippers and, and then, then he almost s- came to the Suns, but he went to the Pelicans instead. Right. Cause they, he was traded there and then yeah, they he, matched he does, the offer that the Suns. He, he played with the Pelicans like in that kind of later sort of Monty Williams era. Uh, yeah. let me fact check this. I might be wrong. Well, one thing I'll say about that real quick no, is yeah, if the Suns ended up trading if the Suns end up trading DeAndre in for a trade exception, that would get most of the way there for Eric Gordon's deal. Uh, now they may need to use that in a Kevin Durant trade, but if they don't use it in a Kevin Durant trade and they try to use it to fill out the roster, yep, uh, that's almost all of the way there. The one thing I will say about that, let me just check his salary real quick. So the thing about the trade exception, yeah, so Gordon makes 20 point fuck no he makes 19.6 million next season the thing about that trade exception that we're talking about with people you have to remember that we're still dealing with the base year compensation rules that we were before as part of the sign and trade which means the amount of money that the suns are sending out is not going to equal the amount of money that that comes in what that means is if the suns theoretically trade deandre ayton to the pacers for nothing more than trade exception um ayton with a 30 million dollar uh starting salary in indiana would count towards it would it would yeah. it would be fifty percent of that value would be the value of the trade exception yeah. going back to Phoenix. So mm-hmm. if Aiton has a thirty million dollar salary, that means Phoenix gets a fifteen million dollar trade exception. You cannot stack trade exceptions on top of each other if you have multiple. Um so what that would mean is this just based on that trade alone, the Suns would not be able to later absorb Eric Gordon uh into that fifteen million dollar trade exception because Gordon makes too much. Now the way you get around that is if you can convince Indiana to somehow take on even more salary or maybe add a yeah. third team to the deal somehow, uh, and then you trade like a campaign or a Tory Craig or a Landry Shamit or who knows, um, then you start to get to a point where you can create a bigger trade exception that could therefore absorb a bigger player. But just to speak to a little bit of, of, about how the details get murky um, in that case too. Uh, okay. Yemi said backup point guard is still a point of concern. Y'all feeling Dennis Schroeder. Uh, so, yeah, Dennis Schroeder. We talked about Schroeder before. Um, at the, t- He'd probably take the majority, if not all, of the taxpayer mid-level exception. I'm not sure where his value is at. Feels kind of... He's played with, Chris, played with Chris Paul before. It was the best season he's ever had. I, Appears to be a problem on every team he's on. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Schroeder's kind of cooked to me is my initial impression like i don't see a significant upgrade there i think he could be a regular he's campaign right like <laughs> uh, that's what i was going to say i think he could be a regular season point guard in the same way that honestly if the suns don't bring in another guard and they just ran it back with campaign i think cam would be fine for the regular season it's the playoffs that i'm worried about and and i don't think Schroeder really does and he, he doesn't move me uh, is how i'll say right. that but right 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 any thoughts on Kobe White? A couple of people have asked me about Oh, Kobe that's a White good one. Yeah, that's the, a good one that people years. are asking about, right? It, yeah. it really does feel like he's going to be available now. Yeah, I think he probably will. Dragic, in fact, there's another question about Dragic, but this is related. Dragic signed with the Chicago Bulls. And Dragic, and it's funny, it's a funny thing when these like players from foreign markets sign with um, teams and then go back home and then give interviews to like foreign market journalists and they like spill the beans on like everything that's happening in the NBA and Dragic, then those get trans- translated and brought back to the NBA. Dragic has done drama. this like half a Multiple dozen times. times now. You know who used yeah. to be really, who, a former son who used to be really bad about this? Like just spoke with such frankness with his uh, Gortat. media back home. <laughs> Marchin Gortat was yeah. terrible about this. <laughs> yeah, oh, my he, God. Yeah, well, and it's great. Like, don't you uh, know that Google Translate has, like, rapidly progressed <laughs> in capabilities in the past 10 yeah, years, cl- guys? Click a link and you can read the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's it's like you're, you're not hiding it anymore. But 
I well, digress. Dragic signed with the Bulls, and he signed with the Bulls because they were giving him a better role, a bigger role than what the Dallas Mavericks, by the way, Dallas Mavericks, insane offseason so far, uh, apparently asked him to play one game and then sit five, <laughs> play one out of every five games for, for the Mavericks and the, the Mavs stay are, healthy for the playoffs, I guess. They're just vibing. They're just throwing darts at a dartboard with printouts of players' faces on it <laughs> and going with <laughs> wherever the vibes control them. I can't get a good I've, feel for I've described off-season. it as they're they're building a team to win MVPs for uh, for <laughs> Doncic in, instead of winning titles. They've real they've realized that 42 and 40 will get you the MVP trophy and yeah, that might They be did it. <laughs> it's what OKC did with Russell Westbrook basically. They're like, "All right, let's build a team that'll win him the MVP. We'll make a bunch of money that way." Uh Dragic went to the Chicago Bulls and then said in his foreign interview that he felt that he could play 20 minutes a game, which means, right, that he probably is taking Kobe White's role there. Kobe White could be available. Um, it, I don't know. I don't know what his value is either. I think Kobe White's an interesting player. Is he great? He's kind of inconsistent the way that Cameron Payne has been. He's very inconsistent. Throughout his career. But Kobe White is the type of guy that could launch eight threes and hit eight threes in a row mm-hmm. in a game, which is something that nobody on the Suns is capable of doing unless Kevin Durant comes here. Uh, which is just brings like an interesting element to the offense, and and yeah, maybe he's a change of scenery guy. Also, that, that could play better in a new team. The Kobe White Cam Johnson vibes would be pretty fun. If Cam Johnson is still here, I agree with that. That would be <laughs> yeah. that would be pretty fun. Um, yeah. uh, on the flip side of that, Dragic also said about the Nets, I played with some stars like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and I have to admit it was quite difficult because the focus was not on the team, but more on individual performances. How do you feel about that? I mean, no shit. Like, you know, <laughs> I watched that team as well. Yeah, I saw that too. I don't know. I mean, Dra- like Dragic is uh, just a complainer. It's who he is. You know, he's he's a great player. <laughs> he's been a great player throughout his career. But like, he complains about Toronto. I don't really think he yeah. had the right to bitch. He complained as much. about Phoenix. I don't think he had, he had the right. To. I think he had the right to bitch about Phoenix in hindsight, at least a little bit. Maybe not to the extent that he did. I don't think he had the right to, to bitch as much as he did about his situation in Toronto. And troll them when he was traded. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, like this is just kind of who he is and it's the twilight of his career and whatever. I'll say this. This is what is so important about having a strong team culture when you trade for somebody like Kevin Durant. You need Monty Williams. You need Chris Paul. You need Devin Booker, the rock of the Phoenix Suns, because you need them all to be in place before you get Kevin Durant so that Kevin Durant could hashtag fit in instead of hashtag fit out and actually play team basketball with the rest of the team. Is this concerning? Yeah. Did it seem like that? Kind of. And has Kyrie Irving always been like that? Kind of. Right? He kind of always has been like that. So I'm more uh, concerned. Yeah, Kyrie, Kyrie is worse. I mean, Dragic yeah. is... Look, Dragic is obviously talking about both of them. He's also... Did he overlap, actually, with Harden in the first part of the season? Because I can't remember I th- anymore. I don't think he did, Okay, actually, so he's no. not talking about Harden for sure. But even if he's just talking about the other two, um, he is referencing both of them, but Kyrie is worse. I think we can all admit Kyrie is worse. Uh, yeah. Durant's... Twitter boys, I mean, you know, he's had some funny tweets recently. I'm just <laughs> I'm just going to say, he's winning the me over possible. a little bit with the legacy <laughs> the best- talk in particular. The best possible scenario for the Suns at some point is that Kevin Durant tweets enough for the Nets to start panicking. <laughs> and every tweet he tweets gets a little bit closer to him making jokes about not wanting to be on the Nets. You know for a fact. He's, today was the first day I think he started responding to people calling him out for for requesting a trade. Yeah. Which, right, is just one s- small step closer to him tweeting about wanting to trade himself, which he has yet to do. I really, really, really look forward to being ratioed by Kevin Durant at some point if he comes <laughs> to the Phoenix Suns. Because I, I, like, I'm going to be a reply guy. I'm going to be one of those reply guys. <laughs> and he's probably going to take some joke out of context that yeah, like, I'm, I'm praising him, but he's going to take it the wrong right. way. Right, I, right. I won't care. That, that'll be great. KD, come and ratio I just me. imagine in the Nets office... Kevin Durant starts tweeting and like somebody just is running down the hallway to Sean Mark's office and opens the door and says, sir, he's tweeting. He did it again. (laughs) He's done it again. It's happening. He's tweeting because, you know, you never know what Kevin Durant is going to say on Twitter. And shout out to him for that because that makes it exciting. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully this ends soon. And we come back on this podcast to talk about a Kevin Durant on trade. that note. And hopefully it doesn't end in a bad way where we're coming back to talk about him going to another, another team. Uh, but I, I think we both feel pretty confident, right? Yeah, very, very confident. Like I said at the very beginning of the episode, confidence, staying high. <laughs> Don't fall for the mind games, people. And Mike, 
Yes. I'll leave you with this. Do you okay. feel that we've added to our legacy today? Oh, I mean, I guess so. We re- recorded a podcast like five days later than we normally do. <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> I think the people will forgive us. You'll hear <laughs> from right. us soon. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. By the way, if you want to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash the timeline. Thanks, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.